0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 73 of the F1 show for coverage of the 2010 Canadian Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner, and I'm Jim Lau, and our show is coming to you a day late today, and we apologize for
1: that. But it's because I had to drive back from Montreal. I actually was uh, attending this race. It was the end of my honeymoon week. I,
0: you were there. You I, saw the yes. excitement.
1: You you felt it with yes. And uh, and so I got married back on uh, the fifth, and you know my wife and I took off. That's that's still a little bit weird to say that, but yeah, my <laughs> my, my wife and I took off. Yeah, so we were uh, in Canada for the week, and that culminated in going to the uh, the, the Canadian Grand Prix. Lovely and, wedding, by the way. That, that thank chicken you. with the it's fruit sauce on it. it was yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we've got that. So uh, our show is a little bit different for you today uh, just because we've got a lot more talking about
0: uh, being there live and all that. But Well, it's the experience. It's like we're, we're, we're bringing you inside the Grand Prix instead of just being your fellow viewer. You were taking us in the inside. It's like a hard copy. Yes. Let's do that. And I think really the big thing coming out of – Turkey, and what we need to talk about is the continued controversy of Vettel v. Weber in that incident.
1: Yeah, so there was, you know, obviously the the crash that took him out, took him out of the race. Uh, we played even bits of the post-race interview, which was very telling in terms of the emotions and everything. Yes. And then it was kind of it. It was, you know, then the team was talking about... Um, Oh, yeah, maybe this is partly Vettel or, you know, partly Weber's fault or something. You know, I think we agreed that it was pretty much Vettel, you know, down to Vettel or at least maybe 80-20 kind of thing. But, like, mostly Vettel's well,
0: deal. Uh, us and the vast majority of Formula One fans.
1: Yeah. And then there were some, uh, you know, radio transmissions, you know, some different uh, TV clips that came out that had onboard onboard stuff with radio and some more information that came to light. Um, both about this and about the McLaren situation, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, that uh, that you know just just kept this controversy going about you know who was in the right and what were the fallout was and all that and some more interviews and probably meetings on yachts and yeah. uh, you know it's it's you know gotten it even more in depth. I mean, with, with this, this controversy will not die.
0: Right. And the amazing thing that uh, struck me more than anything else is that after almost two full weeks' time, Christian Horner. Uh, went on record to say that he was wrong to blame Weber mm-hmm. for the incident off the bat. They didn't have the complete information. Yep. What happened though is that they never then came to the conclusion of Vettel shouldn't have turned into Weber. It just became a racing incident at that point. So I feel that even not even considering all the other things that have been talking about that do seem to be kind of against Weber a little bit unfairly. Um, that the team isn't willing to give Weber any benefit out here.
1: Yeah, and it's almost gone up the chain of command from Christian Horner to Helmut Marko, I think his team manager, and then um, up to Dietrich Mateschitz or whatever, the guy, the head of, of Red Bull, the, right. the whole company worldwide. Right. Um, and sort of along their lines, like almost everyone, I think, blamed Weber at first. And then once they sort of sat down and talked about it and whatever, then it was kind of like, okay, yeah, maybe it's even or whatever. But... Um, and also amid this, um, Weber's, you know, did sign a new contract for next year to be with Red Bull. Absolutely. So that's another facet of the whole thing. It's like, okay, yeah, so after all this, uh, the timing of that was probably like, well, this is a good time to sort of, you know, for the team and, and Mark to show solidarity. And, yeah, we're committed to each other, and this isn't going to be a big deal. And they even issued these press releases that – and I, I hate when yeah, this come out. Yeah, the goofy photo. Well, there's – I mean, is the whole, like, you know, there was an article that was specifically – um, there's no, you know, this will not affect our inter-team. Oh, I you know, know. Our that's all complete, like, you it's... know, horse
0: poo. I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's just ridiculous. You know, it's like, it's like there's of there's course. no problem between us. It's like, come on, I mean, well, that, those were the exact same press releases that came out over and over and over again in McLaren in 2007. Everything with Milan Alonso and Hamilton is fine. Everything's great. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you guys are crazy. You're inventing these. Weird allegations.
1: So yeah, this is yeah, it's a media invention, all that. So anyway, uh, f- the, the the outcome for now, it seems like people have sort of halfway come around to seeing okay, at least it's not really it's not Mark's fault that this happened. At least right. Okay, maybe it's a racing incident. Maybe it's Vettel's fault. No one no one's really come to that conclusion. And I can understand them not really wanting to you know just blame one driver or another. I mean, saying it's a racing incident is kind of the easy way out for everyone right. involved because it's not That's like they true. need to penalize Vettel or penalize Weber or whatever. It's just like okay, it happened, it sucked. Let's not do it again. Um, but McLaren, that was an interesting situation. So um, as we remember, you know, a couple laps after this Red Bull crash, um, you know, the McLarens were battling each other very, very closely. Yeah. You know, Jensen passed Lewis. Lewis passed him back.
0: Um, and it got very close. They did actually bump going into turn yeah. one, apex of turn one.
1: And then, and of course, right around this was when they were, you know, we heard something, I think, on the radio during the live broadcast about, oh, you know, you got to conserve fuel. you got to back off. Right. Um, and I think that the the sort of the, Conserve fuel became their code name for back off and stop racing him. I mean that was right. sort of their way of being oh, fuel critical, fuel critical. Like stop racing him. You right. need to back off. Let him go through uh, because they got was it on on Jensen's radio right was uh, or, or, or onto Lewis's radio. On
0: Lewis's radio. He said uh, back off. You need to conserve fuel. Is Button going to pass me? No. And that was the contrary. Apparently, Button didn't hear that message or that message wasn't related to Button. And Button's like, look at this guy going slow. I'm gonna take a shot.
1: Yeah, so it's sort of a pseudo team order um, kind of situation, and you know I, there haven't been any penalties for it. I mean, I hope there is nothing. I mean, be. It, I mean, they're
0: really should. Can I can I take a moment to give my opinion on something here? Yes. Let there be team orders. I honestly, I really. I mean, the reason why this whole no team orders thing came out in the first place is because Michael Schumacher and Rubens Barrichello and Ferrari mostly were just absolutely dominating. And they were doing these team orders where Bear Keller was obviously way in the lead, and then they'd swap and everything else. And that's where this whole thing came from. It's an irrelevant rule nowadays. We just don't need it. I don't think it hurts the quality of the racing, frankly. And I, I just say do away with it because it just it ends up being this cloaked nonsense. It just becomes more of a drama, like a reality TV right, show, as opposed to
1: racing, which we did see even with Timmy Räikkönen and, and, and Massa two years ago, I think it was, um, where he you know slowed way down, and allowed Massa to pass because he was leading the championship. It was like, right. oh, is this team orders? It's like, well, no, the team didn't tell me to do it. I just I know my place in the team, and that's my job as a driver right. to do that. So. It doesn't even really have the same effect Because if if you really want to get some message
0: across You you do it some way or another Yeah, it just makes it cloak and dagger a little bit And it's just It's thinly veiled, everyone knows what's going on And I just just say cut it Cut it out and let team orders be team orders Because after all, it is a team And the team wants to do what's best for itself I don't think there's anything wrong with that Or anything completely unreasonable about that In fact, it's entirely instinctual you're not going to say, Well it'd be great if this thing happened, but you know, let's just see how this happens and just throw our dice, you know, you know, just throw the dice. I just I, just do away with it because it's, it's meaningless
1: yeah and the other place i really see that is, i guess if, if you know car a is out in the lead and car b is kind of holding up the rest of the field but that you know sometimes kind of happens anyway and yeah. for yeah. them to plan that as a strategy if you're holding back the field and someone else can't get around you then i mean that's okay that's still interesting that's a close racing and that's that's interesting stuff to see as fans right. so. and
0: that's more incentives to design cars that are easier to pass and be passed you know at, not as opposed to as opposed to concerning about team orders, I mean that's a band aid fix if I've ever heard of one. Indeed. And in one last piece of news, uh, Felipe Massa also was able to extend his contract for another two years. He is now going to be racing uh, with uh, Ferrari through 2012, I believe. Mm. So good for him.
1: Yes, no, no Ferrari ride for Kubica in you know
0: yet. Not just
1: yet. <laughs> so be it. <laughs> So we went big on sort of the whole culture of the race this time, uh, being in Canada, being at, in Montreal for the you race,
0: experience that culture,
1: dude, we, uh, so, I mean, I ate Canadian food all week, you know, whether I wanted to or not at Canadian
0: Chinese food, Canadian Italian food. No, but when, did uh, the, when you went to the restaurants, did they say bonjour or bonsoir?
1: They did. Um, and, and, and you're like, huh? We'd be like, uh, hello English. <laughs> uh, but no, it worked, it worked out great though, but we did want to have some of the proper, um, Quebecois food or whatever. So, um, anyone from Montreal will appreciate this, um, we had some delicious uh, smoked meat sandwiches, Ooh. which it, it's funny when anyone from Montreal... Cold so little, or hot? Um, hot, the, the meat and everything is all... It's, it's kind of... So it, it's, it's funny because anyone from... Um, Montreal, if they know, like, oh, have you ever had smoked meat? And it's such a generic sound. I think, like, meat that's been smoked, like, yeah, you yeah, know, the smoked turkey. Because that's okay. what I
0: think of, almost I would think of barbecue, like smoked pit barbecue yeah. type of thing. Um,
1: but it's a specific kind of it's, – it's kind of like corned beef or kind of like pastrami or something, but it's, it's a little bit different. But it's kind of like a deli thing. Uh, anyway, delicious. Okay. Um, very,
0: very good. Uh, what about my favorite, the one I said you had to try? Would you say poutine? Yes. Oh,
1: absolutely. The same meal with the smoked meat. Oh, uh, uh, and, and I
0: actually took photos of this. I will I will post these online. I, I haven't just, seen them yet. I, I, you were making my mouth water. Then My favorite thing about Canada, and this includes being at Mossport, being at Montre Blanc, Driving, yeah, at those tracks and everything, yeah. Is poutine. I, I, the stuff is fantastic.
1: So it's, it's French fries with gravy and cheese curds on it, and it's delicious. Oh, and
0: the gravy melts the cheese curds onto yes, the fries. Yes, absolutely. It's so good. So in, in the one, like,
1: really, really Canadian meal that we had, we definitely had... Uh, had, had poutine and smoked meat sandwiches and it was outstanding and amazing and if you're ever in or near montreal um you should get that because it's great
0: it is it's really good yes. and then you should walk about 17 miles yes straight
1: like on to, like onto an island with a track on it where there's f1 cars that because, would be that would be a good destination there's a, there's a lot of walking involved on that track
0: um for for my part of the culture of the race i did drink a beer mm. while i was watching the race but it was a german beer but it was really good all right. Well, <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> there, there it goes. Yeah, Friday practice. I got to watch that on television, but whatever. You were there, so you tell us about it.
1: So on-track action, um, nothing crazy dramatic. I mean, you know, some McLarens looked pretty good. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they
0: had some good pace and all that. See, on um, television, they kept saying, Ooh, look how close he got to the wall champions. Ooh. Uncle, has he got a wall champion? like they're all within six inches of it. They're all doing more or less the same thing. A couple of people got closer than others, but I mean the margin was was small.
1: Yeah, and there's actually not any real spectator area at the Wall of Champions, so oh. I, I had no idea. Okay. Um. So, but uh, what I can say though for Friday was uh, it was from what I could tell, and I actually have some pictures of this as well. Um, probably about like half. Capacity in terms of in terms of like seats and everything, um, it was very very well attended. I mean, sure. I, there were probably more people at the Friday practice session in Montreal than there are at a lot of the races, especially you know like Turkey is is notorious for that, and uh, some of the other you know even like China and some of the places that just aren't that well attended. So um, all I can say, you know, the Canadian fans were just super excited um, because you know because and they, they had couldn't their...
0: just be Canadian fans, right? They're probably they're, oh I yeah, mean, I mean people a, from all over the place, right? A few of my friends went up there. I, it was amazing that I didn't go actually. And, uh, you know, you went, some other friends from work went. Uh, I know a lot of people from the U.S. went. I think a lot of people from South America make it way up there. Yeah, I mean, I mean
1: there were people, I, I, definitely some Italian fans, uh, South American fans. Yeah, definitely people from all over the place. But, you know, anyway, for being, you know, because it's only one of two races on our hemisphere and yes. the only one, you know, north of the equator, like, uh, it's, a, it's a huge race. So, it, you know, people were just really, really excited just to see the cars running. I mean, you know, there's really nothing dramatic about it. You know, there's not cars running nose to tail. They're You know, sometimes they're running really fast, but you can't necessarily even really tell just from, from some of the stands, you know. If, right, if they're sure. on the limit or not, sure. Uh, but just to sort of, you know, hear hear the F one cars going again and doing their thing it was just was just really great. And and so that was you know that was just kind of interesting. From Plus that point. there
0: was some little extra build up because it'd been a year off. There was no race in two thousand. Yeah, you'd think it'd
1: been like ten years or something. With how really? excited people were, yeah. Really? So uh, it was. So anyway, you know, the, as far as the results, I mean, nothing nothing amazing there. Well, um, one of
0: the things they mentioned on uh, television was that. 2000 the 2010 race was sold out completely, mm-hmm. and they were already starting to sell 2011 tickets. to The Canadian Grand Prix. I mean, if that doesn't speak to how popular it was there, and it just makes you, just shows you how off Bernie Ecclestone is to n- have not raced there in 2009. These guys are so passionate about it, and it's a cool circuit. I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, I just there weren't enough zeros in the check or something.
1: Yeah but uh you know so the the friday build up was was cool and uh and and so basically you know we're seeing how how um, how everyone got in and off the island, and everything because it's all it's all on an island. There's basically two bridges back to uh, a man-made main island. Yeah, um, when they built, when apparently when they when they did build all the subway tunnels, all the, all the all the tunnels and stations for the subway, the, all the dirt that they did from that they put into the river to make these islands. So I see, I see, because it was for
0: the 1967, 66, I think, yeah, whatever, World Expo, whatever. whatever, yeah. yeah. But um, whatever, so there's that geodome thing, and <laughs> yeah. I forget someone was asking me, well, what, what's in there? Is that glass or is that you know metal? I'm like, no, it's just a. It's just like a big grid. It's I don't really grid, understand yeah. the
1: purpose of the dome, except that it looks neat. It's oh, like that's a-
0: exactly what I said. Well, what does it do? They like, yeah. <laughs> put a tarp over it. I'm like, no! It's just a big dome. It's just a big dome. Okay, no more nonsense. No more domes. It was time for qualifying, the real deal. And in Q1, not that much happened. It was pretty standard.
1: Yeah, um, Q1 for me was... Uh, Walking out of the subway and into the stands. We got a little later later start than we wanted. Yeah, Um, well,
0: I mean, the usual, you know, all three of the brand new teams were out. And actually, you know, one thing that was a little uh, outside of the norm was it was Kumui Ashi who was uh, also out in Q1, uh, the seventh guy. But that was it. And then on to Q2, the big news there, really, it was pretty standard there, too, but Michael Schumacher... Could only get thirteenth place.
1: Yeah, that was that was a big deal because I mean, obviously, there's still lots of Schumacher fans around uh, around the world, and and thus at the race, um, and so that was a big deal for everyone. who's kind of like, oh, Schumacher, why is he so so low? Whatever, you know, everyone's yeah. still kind of waiting for Schumacher to break through and just start doing well, and that didn't happen in qualifying. Yeah,
0: it's a real shame. You know, tell me if I'm wrong. I heard most of his fans even missed him qualifying at all because you know they're all in wheelchairs and walkers and just couldn't get <laughs> to the. <laughs> no. It's hard the subway is real hard Yeah, for them. exactly. It's not handicap friendly. Yeah. So yeah, I mean this guy has an incredible record here. He's won seven times, his average finish is second or third or something just insane like that. The Mercedes car seemed to be improving. Yep. And I mean he did very well in Turkey and then and this, he just this is completely his, fell forward. His worst qualifying performance uh this year uh and yeah, yeah so there's there's that and and rossberg handedly got into q3 mm-hmm. and you know did well as he usually does yes. and yeah so that was kind of a shock but i guess that's what it is he's old and got to deal with it but at the sharp end of the grid
1: yes the first non-red bull pole position of the year courtesy of lewis hamilton who on, just on pole who
0: just shot out of a cannon on that lap pretty darn incredible and talk
1: about a good record here i mean he's every time he's been here he's been on pole um, and the only and, and you know the only reason he didn't win two years ago was because he crashed into Kenny Raikkonen. and there was that whole fiasco in the pits or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean as far as pole positions, Hamilton really seems to have Montreal figured out. Well, and and, it, uh, and, and yet again, I mean it was and it was by like a quarter second. it was a good margin.
0: And it makes perfect sense because I mean Hamilton's is absolutely one of his many styles of driving is just driving balls out and just just breaking absurdly late and just tossing the car into corners that kind of thing. And this track, more than any other, rewards that over smoothness and steadiness and that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think so it really lent to him. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Button, uh, Jensen Button, the post-race interview uh, said that he had nothing for Hamilton during yeah. qualifying. And, he, you know, he was kind of shocked. And I kind of... Thought to myself, why would you ever say that in public? But at the same time, I guess he's being honest and that it's, was the truth. I mean, I mean it yeah, it's just better just than these quick. press releases of, you know, oh, everything's great with the team. It's
1: like, you know what? No, I, I didn't have that. Yeah. Which so. is, which, you know, good on him for being honest. Uh, but uh, blue, uh, so it was Mark Weber qualified second. Unfortunately, he had a gearbox change, so he had to, he had to later bump five grid spots and right. start seventh. Uh, Vettel but was just behind him. He, in terms
0: of absolute speed, it was once again Weber over Vettel.
1: Yeah, so it's, which I think this year it's now five to three Weber out qualifying
0: Vettel. How about that? Yeah. Uh,
1: And after, you know, who who would have guessed, right? (laughs) I would
0: say age before beauty, but when it comes to Mark Webber.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, it's beauty all the way.
0: So behind him, there was actually a Ferrari. Fernando Alonso uh, managed fourth, which ended up being third on the grid. He managed fourth place. Mm -hmm. That was very good. Uh, Button did have, I would say, a solid lap. He ended up fifth. And I will say Button did have a slight handicap. His usual race engineer actually was flown out sick on Friday. And he had a backup race engineer for this weekend. So he was Mm -hmm. a little bit handicapped. That's usually a pretty close relationship race engineer to race driver. And so Button had to make do. I think overall he did a very good job. However, behind him was uh, Antonio Liuzzi. Yeah, well done. They got the course India up there. And then it was Massa in seventh, Kubica in eighth, Sutil in ninth. And like we said, uh, Nico Rosberg did get to Q3, and he was 10th. After a manic sprint to the checkered flag involving way too many tire changes and a plethora of front wings, it was Lewis Hamilton that once again triumphed at the Canadian Grand Prix. And it was deja vu all over again when Jensen Button followed behind in second. For the second, McLaren one two in as many attempts. Near the top for the first time in a while was Ferrari Red, with Fernando Alonso clutching the third place trophy. Sebastian Vettel was once again forced to nurse a wounded car to the finish, yet he still managed fourth place for Red Bull. His chiseled, Australian dreamboat of a teammate, Mark Webber, followed behind in fifth. Nico Rosberg for Mercedes, then Robert Kubica for Renault, completed Canada in sixth and seventh respectively. They were the last to cross the line on the lead lap. The Toro Rosso, piloted by Sebastian Buemi, managed only 69 circuits, but won eighth place for his efforts. Only one other team collected the remainder of the points-paying positions. It was all Force India, with Italian Vin Antonio Liuzzi leading Jim's new best friend, the tallest man ever, Adrian Sutil, who finished tenth and collected one point. Jim, how was the race, man? Oh, it was great. It was. It had been a, a year,
1: um, two years since you know I've been to a race. It was you know we went to the USGP. Yeah, that well, um, was 2007. Yeah, which was by. Yeah, long time ago. Um <laughs> it it had obviously been a a, a year off since uh, you know Canada had had the race. Uh so all the all the fans, everybody in Montreal was just super excited to get back at it. I was super excited to just, you know, be part of an F1 weekend again. Well, and, all the uh, photos
0: you put up on Facebook looked incredible. I mean, everything I saw on television looked incredible. Yeah. And I, I mean, the whole place was just alive.
1: Yeah, it was it was very cool. Um and it, I've always heard, you know, everyone talks about it, you know, I known about for a long time I was going to Montreal and like to talk about it a lot because I guess you know it's, it's exciting and uh, everyone's oh yeah the, the F1 really just takes over the whole city and I'm kind of like well what do they mean by that but now I get it you know just going downtown <laughs> all the stores have stuff about the race you know every, every shop window has you know like tires in the window and uh, all, all kind of you know checkered flags and, and F1 stuff just it's just it's just everywhere there's yeah. no way you could be in Montreal or anywhere. you're sure there
0: wasn't a cast car event somewhere near yeah,
1: you couldn't be anywhere near Montreal and not know that it was going on you know, every newspaper people were reading on the subway and everything, even if it was just a normal newspaper, had something about the F1. Just everything going on, so it was uh, it was it was very cool. So Thursday, actually, we went down to the track and uh, through a colleague of um, a, a guy you know used to work with a company uh, that uh, he, that he worked for in England, um, got us into uh, the Force India pits, and that's how I got some of those photos with uh, with Adrian Sutil and with the car. And I got you to were you were you were hold holding a, a Formula
0: One steering wheel. You were holding a steering wheel that is mounted to a Formula One car currently. I mean that's incredible. Yeah, he showed me all how the
1: uh, the switchable rear wing works, and I saw you know all, all the plumbing for that, and to be able to sort of see it in the car, and it was cool. Because
0: now, what's a switchable rear wing, Jim?
1: Uh, well, the you know their their version of the F duct and all ah, that. Ah, um, well, how about that? And uh, and it's, it's so
0: that that's that was literally a button on the wheel for them.
1: No, it's it's a hand operated. There's a there's a little uh, sort of a tube that comes up and do this whole molded plastic piece, then basically you, he rests the uh, outside of his left hand on this, and by doing that. Um, that stalls the rear wing. But when his hand is not on there, he's got full downforce on the car. Um, and it's the same how all of them work. They default. If you're not doing anything active to the system, um, it downforce... It, 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 uh, defaults to maximum downforce, which is what you want going through corners and stuff. You don't want to have to have your hand and braking, off, off the wheel yeah. Under, yeah corners and braking. But uh, you know when you're on a fast straight, you can sort of you know move your left hand over off the wheel a little bit, put it against the uh, you know the outside of your glove uh, against this hole on the uh, on
0: this on this little pipe there. So yeah, and that's definitely very similar does, to the way Ferrari does it. But is that true? I mean, I don't think that's true for McLaren.
1: Uh, they think it is. I, I, I didn't get to go in the McLaren pits, but uh, I was kind of asking about because I thought you know at first I heard it was like a driver knee operated thing or something yeah, like that. Yeah. But it sounds like um, everyone it's, it's kind of a hand operated thing, sort of a hand or wrist uh, kind of thing that you uh, that you do. Um, but it was neat, you know, seeing the cars on Thursday. Um, where they had, like, just different test pieces and stuff fitted on the car, so, like, they didn't have all the, all the sponsor stuff, like, on this new engine color. Oh, sure. Um, it had, like, just, like, stuff taped onto it and all that. And it's just it's cool because, you know, you and I don't really, or most people, don't really get to see an F1 car unless it's sort of out on display or out during the race or in yeah, TV it, coverage. Yeah, in,
0: in distance, yeah. Yeah. and, or and old.
1: And, yeah, and so to be able to, you know, sort of see it, like, as a work in progress, you sort of uh, see it a little, a little differently. And uh, and the, the uh, 2010 rear wings are, like... 18 inches wide i mean they're not but they're like so small in person i mean oh, you know really? we knew they're tall and awkward looking on the cars we've pretty much gotten used to the look of everything now yeah but seeing seeing one of those you know there were a couple of them, a couple of just sort of rear wing supports you know the wing and then the the, the uprights. uh seeing those in person was like they're they really only that wide i mean they're like so small in, in person it's, it's great but well, the uh, other
0: thing that struck me you know is formula one drivers are kind of known like being uh Oh, jockeys. You know what I mean? They're they're small and little, and that's good because then they're low in the car and they fit in the car really well, and so on and so forth. Adrian Sutil, I mean, were you sitting in a hole? No, that's a I tall. Yeah, that's
1: a tall dude, man. Uh, yeah. So I mean, we always hear about how like Mark Webber and even you know Kubica, they're like tall guys or bigger guys, or whatever for F one drivers, they're, right? Um, and and Kuba, or uh, and Sutil is is a tall guy as well. I mean, it, yeah, I guess. Uh, uh, you know he he walked in and, and he was probably like a you know a foot taller than than my wife you know so we have a photo with him uh that we were able to take just cuz he, so he came into the So how tall is grade.
0: he what's your best guess is he like 62 cuz your wife's more than five two, I think. Yeah,
1: um, I don't know. But it's I mean, is
0: he six four? I mean, that's unheard of, almost. I don't
1: know. I, I guess I should look it up. But uh, you
0: sure you weren't standing in a hole?
1: Yeah, no, he was. We were. Uh, maybe he had platform. Was shoes he on, on the podium by any chance? No, no, he was not on the podium. Mm. I'll tell you that. But uh, yeah, anyway, I don't know if it was maybe not a foot taller. But uh, yeah, anyway, he's he's a tall guy, and it was funny because uh, as we were talking, Yarno Truly walked by. This was outside of the pits because uh, Yarno Truly wouldn't be in the Force India pits. But right. you know, Yarno walked by, and we were talking about, oh yeah, I remember that whole deal with you know with Sutil and uh, and Yarno with uh, the you know always oh, the photos. Oh, he was on my lawn and that whole deal. Uh, <laughs> yes, and 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 it's funny because the engineer goes, no, that's the size we want. This Adrian is this tall guy, you know. Get him out of the car. We can't get the weight where we need. We need to get a short guy like the like Yerno in there. But uh, so anyway, it was uh, that was very cool to just you know be in the you know in the pit lane and see behind the scenes in the garage and behind the garage there's all the like uh you know racks of computers and all the all the engineers crunching all the data and doing telemetry stuff sure uh behind that being kind of the hospitality suite and like where the drivers hang out in the debrief room and the engineering room with just basically is a like a kind of a semi-trailer kind of thing um just with like rows of laptops with seats at them and that's basically it um and then i didn't get to go in like the hospitality whole, like you know because uh, it's a flyaway race for them anyways you know a
0: right uh, so way far so they're relatively don't have, minimal
1: yeah there's not like the mclaren brand center and all this like crazy you know the, the red bull thing with the pool on it and all that so it wasn't like super craziness um but uh, just yeah to get behind the scenes a little bit and uh, see all these guys and we saw you know a couple of the drivers walking around and some of the other team guys uh so that was it was very cool to see that and uh, so i want to i just definitely want to say uh thanks again to uh, david denier who's a, actually actually controls engineer for Sutil's car uh, so he does a lot with uh, fuel mapping and diff controls and stuff like that yeah um, when they had traction control that was that would that was his job as well um and you know so any any of these kind of just had real advanced uh control so the steering wheel was all sort of his domain and it was uh, great to get a proper tour of the of the wheel and all the controls built into the wheel and uh and, and just learn about that so thank you again to uh to david for letting us in there and to uh, sutil because i guess it was actually his vip guest passes that we got to use that's to get in cool. there and uh that was that was great fun so uh and I that's
0: know. that's actually a beautiful segue for me because i would like to uh thank stouffer's pizza for uh, providing me with uh, some scrumptious meals, and uh, it was hot, it was it was it was tasty, and I, I think quite nutritious. So, very good. However, there there was a race going on, and I heard you had seats by the hairpin. Yes.
1: Yeah, so, I was basically um, just past the exit of the hairpin um, as the cars were. There's, there's kind of a, a kink to the left. Um, and before they go down, there's, you know, the straight before the, you know, the, the Wall of Champions, the chicane there, and then on to start finish. So, I was, like, probably, you know, I was the middle of sector three, I think, is how it broke down. Um, and, uh, I mean, it basically was cheap seats because, you know, I <laughs> couldn't afford to, like, you know, some of the, the you know, whatever thousands of dollars to uh to get really fancy ones or whatever but just to go to montreal for the first time uh or to the race for the first time i've been to montreal um but uh to do all that you know we figured hey we can do cheaper seats or whatever and, uh, and it was i mean it was great fun um i'm definitely uh pretty well sunburned on one side of my body <laughs> where the uh, <laughs> my whole left half is a lot redder than that but uh well yeah. you
0: just you just look like a truck driver right now
1: yeah i kind of have that that look about us but see um, in,
0: in the states the truck driver gets burned on the left
1: that's how that works with the left hand drive, and yeah, oh, yeah. Um, I guess that's true for most of Europe, too, so what I
0: just said was pretty stupid, fair enough let 's move on, yes,
1: um, and but yeah, I mean just the atmosphere of everything, everybody you know missing the the year off, and it, it was, it's like they'd been gone ten years or something, I mean just it, all the fans, local and foreign from everywhere. Um, we're just super geeked about it, and uh, I was super geeked to uh, to just be you know back at, a, at an F one event for the first time in a long time, and to be, you know it was actually sort of on, you know on our on my honeymoon, so with, with my new wife and all that, and she enjoyed it, she had a great time, um, she got to see Mark Webber in person, he's dreamy in Ooh, person, very, I'm and sure. um, waved at him during the drive. Well, the race report says
0: so, so it must be true.
1: And everything, uh, absolutely. Um, and 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 that was great, but did he wave back? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so the build-up to the weekend was all about oh, maybe it's going to rain, you know, maybe we'll get another you know raining during qualifying, and it'll mix the grid all up, and it didn't rain during qualifying. Right. Now, oh, maybe it'll rain during the race, and that'll be all crazy, and it didn't rain during the race. And oh man, quite the we- opposite. Right? And uh, oh, and Weber and Vettel qualified next to each other, second and third, but then he ended up getting the penalty. So there were all these uh, you know potential uh, you know p- potential battles and potential interesting things that didn't happen. So you're saying the race was boring? Absolutely not. It was great. We had we had we so had, what
0: did what did you get? Because obviously I saw the usual race coverage. I know I follow the race really easily. I know exactly what happened.
1: Well, you know they've got the screens all at the track, and, and we get basically the same world feed that you're getting. So you get a couple of replays and some things like that. Um, we had live commentary, which was kind of half French, half English. Cause it's Canada sounds more like 75% French, well, 25% English. No, I mean, it was back and forth and certain, sometimes they'd go more French than English and whatever. Um, you know, but we're in the stands and so the screen is, is far away and you can't always see what's going on or don't always notice anything. So I do not know about a problem on Vettel's car. Um, okay. <laughs> that was news to me from the reach report. Um, I knew he was, uh, you know, struggling,
0: whatever. I didn't know why. Um, but uh, well, let's actually since since you bring that up, let's let's talk about that for just a minute because it's actually very funny. There was a radio transmission, and um, you know Vettel had a problem with his car, but uh, they would not tell anybody what it was. A lot of people assumed it was some kind of braking issue, but it, it never really was released. But uh, basically, even before halfway through the race, they were telling but uh, they were telling Vettel, "Hey, you have to pass Jensen Button," but at the same time, like, "Ooh, you also have to slow down and manage the car." And they told him to short shift and keep the revs a little bit lower, which is you know basically the same thing. And uh, later on in the race, <laughs> Vettel got on the radio. This was probably three-quarters of the way through the race. Mm-hmm. And he said, what is the fastest lap of the race? That's what he radioed to his engineers. And the, real, and the reply back was, Vettel, don't even think about it. You have a wounded car. <laughs> <laughs> He's in "Short shifts. Take it easy. Just get the car home." Like he literally got yelled at on the radio transmission back. It was really funny. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, w- Vettel Vettel was definitely leashed uh, this weekend.
1: Yeah, and it's it's funny when you get reports like that where it's like you got to keep the pressure on, but also save the car and don't use the brakes too much. Also, don't use too many revs. But uh, yeah, you got to pass that guy in front of you. And It'd like, be very good. What do you, what do you, what are you supposed to do in that situation? Do I push or not? But uh, yeah. So, but we had. Um, so with with the really hot temperatures, it was, you know, much warmer on Sunday than it was the whole rest of the weekend. Uh, so they didn't have a whole lot of, you know, dry track running. You know, they didn't have uh, any, any running the same temperature to sort of know what it was going to be like. Uh, a lot of tire issues and all that. So... Um, yeah, we had, you know, two and three pit stop strategies instead of, like, you know, the one stoppers that a lot of people have sort a of settled couple of on. four
0: pit stop strategies. Yeah. Not on purpose, all of them. But.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but we had proper on-track passing lead changes and everything. I mean, it was Speaking great. Speaking of pit stops, yeah. though,
0: actually, I counted 61 pit stops total that were performed among 24 cars wow some did two many did three and a couple did four it was 61 pit stops it was a very active pit lane yeah although no one no safety cars nope um a couple and, times it seemed close michael schumacher was trying yeah
1: <laughs> and uh so yeah i mean so turn one lap one you know liuzzi got uh, got you know pushed out to the outside so you know he and and then Massa, um you know had to had to come in pit and um, had had some issues, so I mean, you know, Lucy was was way down, be, you know, behind the rest of the pack for a long time, and yeah. and and as was Massa, which you know, there's so many Ferrari fans everywhere, yeah. uh, Canada included. And so all, you know, there's this lady in the row in front of us every single lap, you know, 70
0: times that afternoon,
1: <laughs> every time Massa goes by. Hey! <laughs> you know, it's like okay, you couldn't
0: take a break between lap twenty-five and lap fifty. You know, maybe I mean, something.
1: I mean, yeah, okay. Everyone's all excited to start, you know, and, th- and near the end, all that. But it's like every lap, Ma- it's like the whole field goes by, and then like you know, thirty seconds later, Masai like goes, like, you know, Ma- goes by on his own. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know,
0: there's so you know, he should have yelled louder. There's, there's the did not do that great. Yeah,
1: so there's I guess there's the die-hard fans every time, but uh, y- yeah. So anyway, so there were you know a couple little uh, you know little. You know, uh, what, single corner yellows, running right, you know, local yellows. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, yeah, no safety cars, which, you know, unfortunately, you know, I promised Elena there'd be at least sort
0: of some crash on the weekend, and uh, <laughs> there was not. Um, oh, man. Well, you know what What was very interesting, you know, what came out in qualifying after the, the post-qualifying interviews. Uh, basically, you know, Hamilton was on pole and said, yeah, I'm very excited he'd be on pole and everything else. Uh, Mark Webber, they got to him. He was second. He said, basically, we think McLaren's crazy uh, they're on the soft tires. We're on the hard tires. We're going to own this race. Yep. And Vettel basically said, yeah, I don't know what McLaren's thinking. They're on the wrong tire. We're going to own this race. Hmm. And Hamilton said, anything can happen. So we'll see you tomorrow. And sure enough, uh, both, both button and, uh, Hamilton, I, you know, button's kind of my boy. And I was kind of having this, Oh, button's going to be easier on his tires and he's going to farther laps. He's going to totally China, you know, China this race. Yeah. And, um, uh, this didn't happen. Both McLaren drivers came in very early, I think lap five or six, maybe lap seven, to get off the soft tires. And sure enough, um, you know, Red Bull took off and uh, was ahead. But even those hard tires on the heavy fuel, I think it was lap 13 that Weber was in. And from that point forward, uh, Hamilton and Button, they had an absolute advantage being on the harder tires earlier and being able to go longer. And as the cars got lighter. So it was actually very interesting that. To me, counterintuitive to what you'd think the softer tire to start was the winning strategy, just the way it worked out.
1: Well, yeah, and because both teams, both top teams, if I, if I had to do two-stop strategies, right? I mean, both yeah. Red Bull and McLaren did that. And so I remember, because Mark Webber went a really long time on his second set of tires, and they kept showing some slow-mo shots of the tires getting more and more nasty. And that, sort of the thing was like, oh, can he hold on and keep, right. his, keep his advantage? And can he, does he, you know, can he do a one-stop and get away with it? And, you know, and then once Hamilton pit... Uh, came in and, and got a fresh set, and then was so much faster. Then, you know, like a couple laps later, you know, they had, they brought Weber in to be like, ah, uh, no, we can't hold yeah. on because <laughs> yeah. it was like it was like 15 laps to go. I mean, it was a while, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, so yeah, no one could do a single stopper today successfully. Um, and yeah, so, you know, there was, it was fun in that, but like I say, you know, the, the weather otherwise, uh, was not a factor in terms of any, any, you know, wet dry or anything, which is good because I did not have my jacket on Sunday. So if I'd <laughs> gotten all, all, yeah, uh, that, w- that would
0: have been, that would have been bad.
1: That would have been bad. Although I can say that the F1 show, uh, the official F1 show t-shirt is now race proven. Uh, which I, is very cool. Uh, yeah, definitely had that. And uh, and there'll
0: and, be, there'll be more news about what when you say, what is an F1 show t-shirt? Well, we'll tell you a little bit more about that in the near future.
1: Okay. Um, and but yeah, so I mean, the other the other sort of exciting move to the race, um, there was early on. There was uh, Kubica and Schumacher had a little excursion through the grass. Yes, and part of the thing with the, the, you know being in the stands, they, they showed replays of it. I'm not actually sure where on the track it was.
0: It was um, um, coming. Out, I think it's turn eight. They call it is the chicane, basically opposite of where you were. It's the chicane um, that leads to the straightaway that goes into the hairpin. Mm. So first, sort of quarter of the track, then. right, yeah. right. There's a, just enough runoff room to do something stupid like that. So they basically did that. And uh, you know, Schumacher was coming around the outside, and he kind of was pinching Kubica off on the grass. Kubica actually had a wheel or two on the grass for a moment, and uh, Kubica kind of stayed off, stayed on the inside, mm-hmm. and braked alongside Schumacher. But Schumacher kind of forced his way, and because Kubica was trying to break so late to match Schumacher, and he wasn't on the great line. Kubica couldn't make the corner, and there was no way Schumacher was going to make the corner. So they both just shot straight, and Schumacher ended up keeping the lead because of that. And not only that, Kubica dinged up his front wing in the process, but it didn't slow him down. It was pretty incredible.
1: Yeah. So so, so I feel like it was almost an old-fashioned— like, just good race. I mean, it was strategy, it was pit stops, like we used to see with fuel, you know, two stops and where do they do the stops and and how does that shuffle them back into the order? Um, And, you know, actually drivers on track, I mean, having uh, Hamilton, have you know, basically Hamilton lost the lead to Alonso in the first round of pit stops. um, It was the first round of of the first uh, stops. Yes. Where, you know, they came out and it was like, neck and neck, almost directly into each other, into the pit lane, when they released Hamilton right next to Alonzo, already in the pit lane. Yeah. Um, and then they were basically side-by-side side down the exit. And then I mean, mo- the
0: Ferrari's pit stop was phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it's just perfectly executed. It, you know, as the car was coming up, you know, the tires were off. And almost it was almost like an up-down. I mean, the tires were off and on. It was so quick. And, you know, McLaren's pit stop was perfectly reasonable, but it just Ferrari was so quick, they were already on their way. It was, it was really... Really cool to see them get that just right like that.
1: Yeah, and then, but then, so it's like, oh man, you know, Hamilton's got to pass Alonzo back, and he did. Um, and then later, Jensen was able to get around Alonzo as well. You know, actually, it was, it was great to see that just the on track battles and, and you know, putting pressure Absolutely. on the drivers and all that. I
0: mean, to be totally honest with you, you know, there was a lot of complaints like, oh, these tires aren't holding up. Good, good. That's the whole point, right? Yeah, I mean, that- the fact that the tires wear out in a short amount of laps and managing tires, because, you know, it's been pretty easy. To do a race on a set of tires, so then you almost have a point except for the mandatory pit stop of doing one load of fuel, one set of tires, and you do a race and it's it's just a long gp two race at that point,
1: yeah so it's which I was just going to say it's almost you know like you know and actually they talked about after Bahrain, if you remember they were oh should we man, you know mandate two tire changes and all that and I think it's it's a lot more exciting when the tires start to go off, oh yeah, when there's that sort of that that line of Can we stay on the tires? Can I look after the tires? And yeah, I'm going to go slower, but I don't have to do that pit stop. And and it's sort of that gray area. That's where the excitement happens, is when you're in that area. And it was
0: also abundantly clear that as the cars got lighter, the tires lasted longer. It was very, I mean, to me, they're like, oh, the tires are too soft. No, they were perfect. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, do it this way. So
1: as as our our regular listeners know, you know, I'm a bit of a Hamilton fan, and uh, you know, we saw. Uh, obviously, you know, in Oh seven, um, his, his second win, you know, his first was in Canada, uh, in Oh seven. Then, then, then they came to the U S and that was the second win. So, you know, we were there for that. And, uh, I actually saw him a little bit in, uh, in Oh six at, uh, at, at Silverstone was him and he was in GP two. And, you know, so it was great to see him, um, on pole, you know, just super excited about that. And then the, and he then, might
0: want to hire you on as a good luck charm. And I don't then, no, yeah. cause didn't he win the Britain GP two race?
1: Uh, yeah, tw- yeah, both of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think,
0: <laughs> I think we've got it right mm-hmm. here. Right. So uh, you know, me, it was, it was great to see. You know,
1: yeah. So once they had you know the pass in the pits and all that, you know, to see him come back and and take the victory. Um, and you know, it was so it was back to back for McLaren. It was a one-two for McLaren. You know, to see your boy Jensen uh, do well and all that. So it was just it was a lot of fun. Um, and and you know, just a, a, a good race to be at. Actually, yeah,
0: worked out, worked out great. Well, I'm extremely extremely jealous. And once again, it is, of course, the best part of the show. It is listener feedback, and I am going to start with yet another great turnout for comments right on the f one showcom uh, We had six this time around, and I'm going to go through all six, if you will bear with me. The first one is from Cam McGrath, who said, great show, guys, exclamation point, answer to trivia. First win was in 1967 by Lotus in Netherlands with Jim Clark. The last win was in 2003 by Jordan in Brazil with Giancarlo Fisichella. Is there a bonus Coke for naming the team's drivers and GPs? We will let you know soon. Um, Barry poked us, even though we asked him not to, and he said he apologized, but he couldn't resist. He also answered the trivia question. Oh, cheeky fans. We I know, I know. He also answered the trivia. He said the same thing as Cam McGrath, and he also had predictions for uh, this race. Hmm. Yeah. We'll get there in a minute, too. We'll get there in a minute, too. And he also agreed that uh, Petrov was going to be in the Wall of Champions and Vettel and Weber. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, none of that happened, actually. No one ended their day in the Wall of Champions. Sort of to our
1: disappointment, yeah. Uh,
0: And then we got one from Steven who said, Great show. This is the first show I've listened to, and it definitely won't be the last, which is cool to hear. Interesting to hear that when you both attend a race, it disappears from the calendar. Would you guys please go to the European GP at Valencia this year? Sure. Yeah, why not? That would be great. <laughs> I actually uh, I actually put that uh, comment, Stephen, on Facebook. Um, if you're not a fan of Facebook, by the way, Stephen, uh, go to, what is it, Facebook slash the F1 show, facebook.com slash the F1 show. There are 635 very loyal F1 fans there. Very cool place to hang out. And your comment got a bunch of support from our um, our faithful Facebook followers. And I, I thought it was very funny. So the deal is that if anyone comes up with the money for us to travel to Valencia and tickets to attend the race, we'll absolutely be there and do everything in our power to ruin it. Sure. Okay, yeah, I'm then. in. <laughs> we also got a comment from Jari. I don't know. It's J A R I. So it might be. Could be Yari. Could be Jari. Yeah, could be. Yeah, because I'm thinking of like Rojo, R O J O. So it could be Hari. I don't know. Anyway, he predicted that Hamilton would be on pole and uh, Mark Webber would win the race. He also commented that we had a great show for Turkey, and he recently discovered the podcast and thinks it is great. But then he added, with the both of you, that is. (laughs) <laughs> Fair
1: enough. We, we we realize that the that the solo shows aren't as aren't as exciting, or uh, dynamic and interesting as as the, when we're there's both of us, and so obviously when we can, we uh, we both do the
0: show. Exactly. Now our fifth comment was actually a little bit of criticism. This is rare, but it is actually quite appreciated. It's from Rantson F One. Just found the show and listened to the latest ap- episode. Awesome show. Good start. One bone to pick with you guys relates to the Force India drivers. You looted that Sutil is the better driver in that team. I beg to differ. To quote, to quote Joe Saward, no serious person thinks that Sutil is better than Liuzzi. And I tend to agree with him. When the car is working for Liuzzi, he is epic. The only person to regularly beat other F1 drivers in F1, including Michael Schumacher, is Liuzzi. Um, epic, I think, is pushing it for me personally. But I will, I will. You know, you look at the record. I will agree that Leuuzy is actually performing quite well. Um, I, I, I don't think he's better than Sutil. Maybe he's Sutil's equal.
1: Yeah, and it's it's hard to say because it's there's you know, okay, if all else were equal, then would this driver be better than that driver, or if the cars were equal or whatever? But then there's also something to be said for like if you know someone like Schumacher or Alonso can can go to a team and make the car work and make the team work and make the engineers make everything come together and end up with a better car and drive that better car to victory, then I mean, that's what you, that's how you win championships. And that's yep. how you win is having the best car and the best team around you and the best, you know, support and everything. So, um, I mean, I guess the other, you know, when you say the best one to sort of beat other F1 drivers, um, in F1, I mean, that's basically, that's the definition of winning a race and Lucy has not won a race. So, yeah, I, um, that
0: one, I don't know. I, yeah, that, that wording is a little bit different, a little bit on to me, but I, I think, To his point, though, I think um, to just uh, blanketly say that Sutil is the superior driver is probably incorrect. Liuzzi has been quite strong. And even these last couple of attempts at qualifying, he's been right there in qualifying. Um, earlier in the race, you know, sometimes you could relate it to car issues. I don't think every time Sutil definitely seemed to have the upper hand right. in qualifying, getting to Q3 when Liuzzi only managed Q2 and so on and so forth. However, Liuzzi did complain about having something wrong with the car that they just couldn't diagnose. He got a new tub. I think that was two races ago. And these last two races, he's been quite strong. Yeah. So to that. And then we had one final comment on, uh, Although Adrian, uh, Adrian Sutil my new best friend though. So, you know, he is, and he's also really tall. So, so, so that. yeah, take that Liuzzi um one other comment from abby la loa yeah hey that's that that's my that's my sister who says it is totally relevant that i live in austin i disagree jim you did very well flying solo last week Aw, that's such a nice thing for a sister to say i love the sister the family comments are great haven't heard Robin solo ride yet (laughs) (laughs) keep up the good work thanks abby
1: yeah, I think I don't know if she. I don't think she's a regular listener to the show, so she no, probably I, won't I, I hear would, this. I wouldn't think so, uh, unless I say, "Hey, we mentioned you in the show," and then she'll go and download it. So, hey, I, well, <laughs> thanks for listening to, to the show. That's great. Um, Facebook,
0: it, Twitter, what else happened? That yes. was the comments of the. I okay, that, that took time. That's how many comments we're getting. Yeah, no, that's... that's and it's, we can't even begin to go over all the comments on Facebook. It's ridiculous. You guys are awesome.
1: Yes, so basically what we do want to mention is that if you are not part of it, then go to uh, facebook.com slash f1show or just go to f1show.com. We have links to all this stuff on
0: there. Um, so as I, as I Holy mentioned... Holy crap. Oh my God. There's a guy, Ian Kerr now, who's got this like crazy baby picture as his profile. Scared the crap out of me. He is one of 636 people that like us, and I will have you know that our Facebook page has a 25 post quality with five stars, and we had 79 interactions this week. I have no idea what that means. Not a clue. But that baby freaks me out, Ian. So if you want to be freaked out by a baby, go to Facebook and look for F1 Show. Unless, but- of course, that's your actual baby with no modifications to the photo. That It's really cute in that case.
1: Oh no we 're losing fans now, oh <laughs> my goodness all right so um i i won 't bore everyone with the entire story, but I ended up with uh I did get a, a, a canada sim card for the ipad so i was able to actually get online and, and uh do a bit of live tweeting from the circuit uh not as much as i would have liked to um isn't it
0: twatting in past tense? no okay.
1: um and He's uh twatting. but uh and, and yeah ultimately i mean i was there to enjoy the race as well so i mean sitting around me with uh you know an array of ipads and computers and stuff would i think have missed the point of being at the grand prix a little bit <laughs> um did you twat on a regular basis you know what can you just <laughs> You're obviously too old to understand these things so let's let let the youngsters among
0: us. I'm enjoying myself. I'm glad to hear you that. You asked me to entertain myself while you talked about Twitter and I'm doing just I that. I never asked you to do that. Um so <laughs> Yeah, so I, you know, I had
1: some, I had some tweets. A couple people got uh, were I think scared that I was because I had like a whole bunch of updates in a row. But you know, after the drivers parade, there was like two hours before anything else happened. So I was like, oh, let me pull out the iPad. I'll do some updates. And uh, so Nick, I think he's from Australia. No, I'm not sure where Nick's from now. Um, but had uh, yeah, Nick's like, okay, uh, that's enough updates. One every ten minutes would be fine, Jim. Thanks. <laughs> so yeah, sorry to uh, blow up your Twitter feed there, dude. But you know, hey, it was uh, you know just had everything up and up and running.
0: Um, Well, the Twitter feeds that you posted for me were actually quite nice to see, get little updates on Thursday and Friday especially. So I thought that was very cool because, you know, for a while, just because of, you know, different towers and costs for roaming and all that kind of stuff, you know, we couldn't get in touch with each other. So. It was like oh Jim's still alive and oh he is actually at the race and everything else so that was cool
1: and uh, and you know maybe in future races you know U S Grand Prix or whatever we maybe have some better systems to do some like live video streaming or whatever I mean I was sort of uh, it was it was kind of last minute and also it was sort of a you know part of a a larger trip so it wasn't like a dedicated F one show coverage situation what was your honeymoon Uh, yeah so (laughs) (laughs) you know I didn't I didn't want to uh, yeah bore the wife entirely with. uh, you know she's at, at a race, and I'm just sitting over there on the iPad constantly. Um, but yeah, so uh, you know thanks to uh, to Nigel and uh, Doug D uh, or some I don't know how you say that. But get um, a couple other a uh, couple other comments. Uh, Billy seven seven six six thinks that iPads are lame and that I should have gotten a laptop that has a lot more functionality. Uh, and uh, yeah, and uh, Tim Meekins, a, a long time commenter from a long time ago had some feedback and all that. So. Um, you know, it was, it was good fun on Twitter stuff. Uh, if you don't follow us on Twitter, it's just twitter. dot com slash the F One Show, and uh, you know. Sometimes we don't tweet at all during a race because we you know we end up watching it six hours yeah, after it happens exactly. every once in a while uh, you know we if we have the chance to uh, either wake up early and watch it live or go to it or whatever uh, we'll have some coverage there but that's the fun thing about Twitter is if we're tweeting a lot you'll see it um, but it's you know hopefully not enough to uh, blow up your news feed and have you unfollow us or whatever but uh, hopefully you find something interesting out of it and uh, you know I did post uh, post some pictures and stuff on Facebook as well I thought it was quite valuable
0: yeah, and I also want to give out some shout outs to Matt Patterson, Will Carver, James Payne, Jacob Macri, Peter Oliver, uh, oh boy, Matthew Goldschwin-mead. Oh, I'm bad at this. Anyway, uh, all of you guys, Peter Oliver, um, Andy Clark, uh, Rob Evans, you guys, keeping the Facebook page vibrant, active. It's, it's very, very cool, very appreciative. I mean, it's gotten to the point now where you know a fair amount of what I see, you know, learn about F1 news. I'll see it first on our own very own page, and then I'll go hunt down different articles and stuff about it too. I mean, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And one last bit of feedback, actually,
1: from Twitter. Uh, I want to mention that uh, Michael Wilson, whose Twitter handle is Ginger Ninja F One, <laughs> what's a ginger Ninja? ginger ninja? Does that mean he likes sushi a lot? No, it's like a redheaded ninja. I guess I don't. Oh, know. <laughs>
0: ginger ninja! I get it. I don't know. That's a guess, <laughs> but. That's a, that's, a, that's a good Red Twitter head. name. But, can you imagine a ninja with freckles? Right, can that we, doesn't even, You can't hide from people that way. All right. No,
1: but he says, uh, you know, I bet you guys can't wait for 2012. Back to North America Grand, you know, Grand Prix uh, means we have to wait longer for the podcast, though. So yes, in this case, we had to wait longer. Um, actually, when we did the USGP live in 07, you didn't have to wait as long. We actually did uh, Saturday and, and Sunday updates, you know, right at the track uh, when there's, you know, when it's the, the full F1 show team. All two of us. <laughs> <laughs> at the race um it's a little bit different so this and, it, and and you know it's not a foreign country with you know um expensive data charges and all that kind of stuff to uh, to do wireless stuff right. Um, right you know right. so yes um we obviously you know tickets haven't gone on sale yet you know supposedly they're you know the track per site has been purchased or whatever but Right they haven't know, even broken
0: ground on Yeah thing as
1: yet. yet there's not a track um and not tickets or dates or anything like that but we really really hope to be a part of that race and when we do uh, hopefully we can bring you some sweet coverage and maybe there'll be some you know live streaming video from the track and it'll be you know way more real time than our show is normally but yeah sorry you did have to wait an extra day for uh for this show you're hearing now
0: trivia 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 okay and we are back with trivia now last show i think we had an interesting question but once again you guys proved far too smart for me The question was, when did Cosworth win their first F1 race and what is Cosworth's most recent race win? And the answer was, and is, I'm sorry, June 4th, 1967 at the Dutch Grand Prix was the first win for Cosworth with Jim Clark behind the wheel of his Lotus powered by the famous DFV V8 engine that was used with great success for the next quarter century. I had that all written out. It's pretty sweet. Nice. The most recent win came on April 6th, 2003, at the Brazilian Grand Prix, with Grand Prix with Giancarlo Fisichella winning in his Jordan in a crazy rain soaked event. <coughs> Excuse me. The win was originally awarded to Kimi Raikkonen in a McLaren before the decision was overturned and a mini award ceremony held for Fisichella at the following event occurred. <sighs>
1: Yeah, I remember that. there was a crazy uh, crazy result there because it was, like, this giant crash right after that. And they said, oh, no, the race ended here. And then we had to look at the positions based right, on Right, it was actually a rain-shortened
0: race. And it was, like, the last, the second to the last completed lap was the one that counted and all these kind of crazy things. Yeah, it was weird. And it ended up being Fisichella, which, you know, made sense to us. Uh, I remember back in the day when that happened. God, back when I was so young. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was it. Uh, many of you did get it right. Um, some of you guys didn't guess. Shame on you. Um But, yeah, there it is. However, we're going to move forward with a new question. So, uh, Lewis Hamilton's win in Canada is his second in a row. He has just won back-to-back races. And it came immediately after Mark Webber won back-to-back in Spain and Monaco. So, the question is, when was the last time that two drivers won back-to-back races back-to-back? It's like the double back-to-back. Yes. Crazy, right? (laughs) So there you have it. So if you so it's 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 just to clarify. Yes, one driver won two races in a row. Then another driver immediately won two races in a row. Back to back, if you will. Back to back. So if you want to
1: just keep score at home, then you're welcome to do so. But it's always fun if you want to tweet us at the F1 Show. If you want to go to Facebook.com/f1show and leave your uh, leave your answer there, or shoot us an email feedback at f1show. Or just go to F1show.com and uh, leave a comment there. Any of those ways, it's always fun to uh, see what you guys think and see uh, are we asking questions that are too easy or uh, do we need to come up with really complicated and arcane things Uh, because we can can do that
0: too. Yeah, we can definitely do that. We could come up with questions with no answers. Oh, we should do that. We should totally do that.
1: So it's prediction time, and as soon as Q1 ended and Robert Kubica qualified eighth, I knew <laughs> my predictions had gone all wrong.
0: Oh, but you
1: meant well. I, You know, that really doesn't count for anything, though, does it? No, not really. Okay, so
0: my predictions were crap, as usual. Well, I mean, you know, Kubica—he was getting stronger. He had, some... yeah, they were crap. Yeah, yeah, they were pretty bad. Anyway, but it's okay. I like Coke, and you now owe me thirteen of them. <laughs> you know what? So... Just... No, well, you only owe me twelve. I'm sorry, you only owe me a twelve pack of Coke, and that—that's a convenient purchase. <laughs> All right, so give us the rundown. Okay, here. so you picked Kubica on pole and Kubica to win.
1: No, no, he... no. I, I meant that Kubica would be Polish and that he would have fastest lap. <laughs> Is actually, what that, that's, I think, actually, what I meant to predict. Oh, I see. Okay, which, in which case, in I which think case, I actually win. No, we,
0: you, we still tied. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> however, well, you what, what kind of lame predictions did you make? Well, if, if assuming he would you were right, he actually qualified eighth and finished seventh, so you had 13 points for the event. I, however, picked Hamilton to be on pole and Lewis Hamilton to win the race. And, and your, th- oh, right. guess wait. what happened? Oh, yeah, I hate you. Guess how many points? Zero. You know why? It's not a hole-in-one because I didn't even putt. It was zero. (laughs) Perfect. Take that. You just teed the golf (laughs) ball right in the hole. Uh, The statistical model, the heuristic model, the model that isn't statistical or heuristical, picked Weber to be on pole because he was on pole last time, and Hamilton to win the race because Hamilton won the race last time, and Weber was, in in fact, second. It was correct about Hamilton. So the statistical model scored a one one And finally, uh, our fan prediction was from Barry. He was a commenter on the F1show.com page directly. He also correctly picked Hamilton to be on pole and Hamilton to win the race. So he also got a perfect score of zero. So, Jim, not so well this time. Not so well. I'm I'm no good at predictions. Do you want to hear the grand totals? Yes. No, I actually don't. Well, okay. I don't know if I can count that high. Jim, so thus far, there have been eight races raced. You now have a total of 107 points. Mind you, it is low score we're going for. I have 49 points. You are still beating the fans, but just barely. The fans have 113 points, and the statistical model is 61 points. So I, I, I really think it's time for you to up your game, but this is your opportunity to do so because it is time to predict for Valencia. Hot seat. Go for it. It's all you. pull position. Don't say (laughs) Kubica.
1: Oh, you're
0: giving me help now. I I think a little bit of support. Well, these Force India guys are looking really strong. (laughs) Adrian Sutil, he's so tall; he can just reach for it. No,
1: um, I I, I think Vettel will get himself sorted out and put his put his red bull on pole. Ooh,
0: okay, all right. That's a little bit more sane from you. Although, although I mean,
1: it's it's been you know, weber has been out qualifying him, Hamilton's just amazing right now. Sure, So sure. it's really not sane, and somehow he's going to tent, be 10th or something. But no, uh, He's going to
0: crash in the wall of the champions this weekend. Yeah. Somehow.
1: Somehow. No, um, and, and because no one ever passes anyone else in uh, Valencia, I think he'll win the race as well.
0: Oh, well, how about that? I, 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 I see where you're going with this. I, it's tough for me because I see ferrari kind of on a resurgence a little bit here yeah alonzo certainly yeah. and certainly Mc- mclaren's looking strong but i mean you're absolutely correct in thinking that red bull's still going to be very strong i'm trying to think of if, if valencia tends to be a faster track or a slower track i mean how many high speed corners are there not that many right there's like one the yeah. High speed, yeah it's all mm, man point and shoot yeah Whew. all right all right so enough stalling i think i'm gonna be the bold one this time i'm gonna go alonzo
1: Right, Alonzo,
0: then. I'm going to go Alonzo and pull and win the race. Wow, am I really doing that? Do I really think that? All right, well you said it now, so oh, it's, it's in too there. late. It's already, it's already in there. I Can't reverse it.
1: Use any of the uh, any of the modes of communication that we talked about previously to uh, send us your predictions as well, because that's always fun. Um, and we hope to hear from you uh, sometime between now and what, two weeks from now from uh, coverage for Valencia. But uh, yeah, that I think wraps it up for now. And uh, until then, I am Jim Lau
0: and I'm Robin Warner. See you.